Hey there, Cape Cod. It's high noon on Wednesday, time for another Life with Gwen. This is a half-hour lifestyle show that you can watch live here, or later you can see it on the internet at capecodtimes.com slash lifewithgwen, or you can listen to it as a podcast in the car if you just add podcasts to that, uh, to that address and then follow us there. So business aside, let's introduce you to this week's guest. With me today is Paul Miskowski. He is the um, he is with Miskowski Landscaping in Falmouth, and he has a really impressive record at the Boston Flower and Garden Show, which is coming up next week, a week from today on on March fourteenth. Um, he has he and his his team have won fifteen of twenty appearances. They've won either Best of Show or People's Choice, which is, is amazing. And now you are coming back to, uh, to do the entryway garden for this year's show. That's right, yeah, And back I at it. think you're working with, um, um, with Mr. Haskell from Fairhaven. David uh, Haskell. With yes. David Haskell. Yeah. And um, tell me a little bit, well, first of all, thank you for coming. And um, tell me a little bit about the, the uh, garden that you're putting together for this year. Well, we have uh, we have an 1,100 square foot garden, which is basically at the front door of the show, and uh, and given the the uh, the nature of the theme, which is savor spring, we're doing a garden that is sort of representative of of somebody's backyard with a you know a very nice uh, uh, live roof shed that uh, Cape Company built for us, and we have a a uh, an overhead pergola that'll have some beautiful furniture. Uh, inside, so there'll be a, a like an R and R space, and then there'll be uh, Goshen stone patios and walks that will have a uh, number of uh, different types of container plants, you know, relative to what we're looking at here on the set, and uh, and just to sort of tie the whole thing in, you know, living in your yard, vegetable gardening, you know, ed edibles, fragrances, Cookie. cooking, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, all relative to being able to go outside, cut a few things, and and do something with it in the uh, kitchen. Can you explain just a little bit more about the um, the live roof chef shed? Yeah, the live roof shed is is basically a building that has a rubber membrane on it, and, uh, and this particular one we're going to plant with a, a, a an evergreen uh, ground cover called Liriope, and we're going to work in. We've got some beautiful uh, blue hyacinths that will work in. The roof has a sort of a shed pitch to it. And so it, the liriope is a cascading, uh, short, uh, linear leaf, almost like a grass, and it has a blue flower. And then we're going to interplant it with, uh, you know, the taller uh, hyacinths. Which this particular hyacinth has a, as the flower gets older, it has a bicolor appearance. So it it'll give us a lot of interesting color patterns, oh. you know, within the roof itself. So it's just a, it's sort of an amusement, and it's kind of fun. I I have. Uh, several live roof sheds on my property and I really like them because there's always something growing. And, something uh, to look at every yeah. day. Well, it, and, and if you're using the building, it uh, it actually cools the building during the summer and it uh, it's sort of an insulator. Oh, so it has a functional as well as decorative. Yes. Yeah. That, that's a pretty good summary from what the folks at the Boston Flower Show were saying, uh, flower and garden show, um, were saying about this year's theme that they, they want to get people outside and they want people to um, think about uh, planting edible 
uh, foods that, uh, you know, Let's talk about, for example, one of the things you brought today is a topiary here that's about oh, about a fit, foot tall. And I have to tell you, that is, it smells so wonderful that after you had me smell it, I shook someone's hand and the rosemary scent was transferred. It was oh, yeah. such a beautiful smell. Yeah, the rosemary is, it's, it's really nice and you can, uh, uh, you, you know, this is a rosemary topiary that uh, actually David Haskell grew. It's... Uh, and it's about three years old, and now, uh, yeah, you you run your fingers through it, and it has that beautiful fragrance. It's it's so nice and great with pork chops and you know things like that, or you know sauces, and it's it's easy to have. You just need to water it. So as I uh, told you in in a somewhat of a confession mode. I love to cook, but I don't garden, at least uh, aside from an occasional container gardener. So would you just, with this uh, rosemary, would you be able to pick from it all season and then would it, would it come back or how, how would it function it as a, as a edible plant? Well, this particular plant I had on my back patio uh, last summer and I brought it into the greenhouse and people can bring them into their houses and, and the typical mistake people make with rosemary is is it looks like one of those plants that you don't have to water very often, mm -hmm. but it's actually the opposite. You have to you have to treat them with care, and you have to make sure that they're they're getting enough water. And and you can have it throughout the year, throughout the seasons, and it grows. You know, it's a pretty robust grower mm -hmm. if it has good light and good water. Yeah, and good yeah. water. Yeah, so, yeah, that's interesting. I, looking at it, I looks I like a dry have, plant. It does. Yeah, yeah like yeah, lavender. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, tell me a little bit about, because I know you've done some incredible things in getting ready for the show. Tell me a little bit, I think you said you were going to have three days to build the garden in Boston at the Seaport uh, um, and uh, uh, Center, and then you would be having volunteers from all over the Cape and New England working with you. Tell me a little bit about the process and, and what you've been doing down here to get ready. Well, uh, uh in order to get ready for the flower show, you you sort of have to make a commitment. Uh, I mean, we've done it on a very short amount of time, like a five week week window, or you know, we just we had decided that we were going to get involved with the show earlier in the summer. So you start at that point in time, start making sure that the plants that you're going to use have been taken care of. Mm -hmm. In other words, the buds are set and they're in, you know they're healthy because what happens you know in and around the uh, mid to late December, early January, as you start bringing these plants into a greenhouse to try and fool them into leaf, flower, and color. And so if those plants aren't in good condition, then they're not going to force well. And mm -hmm. so we've been, you know, today the greenhouse is running about 75 degrees and and, uh, and the ginkgo is just coming into leaf and, and we had to swap out I had bought some uh, some heritage birch, some Duraheat birch, you know, just wanting to try them because they had beautiful stems and, and the trees just, they weren't in good condition when they started to leaf out. So I, we had to switch gears and we brought some Japanese maples into the house about two and a half weeks ago and they're just coming into leaf today. You know, I think so with the weather we've been having that there might be some people out there that uh, would actually like to just have a place like that, 70 degrees, where they can go and, and watch all this beauty around them right. flowering and kind of just enjoy not being in the wind or the rain or, or you know, this yeah. very tough weather we've been having. It's like Costa Rica in the winter. It, it, uh, 
just walking into this building and all the smells, the earth, the, you know, uh, the smells of the different leaves and, you know, the fans are going, the heat is on and, you know, life is good, humid. Are there tropical drinks? Because uh, if know. there are, I'm there, you know, <laughs> even without. That but, can be uh, arranged. That, that, uh, that's, that, easy, uh, that's the easy part. That sounds like heaven. In fact, um, our producer, Patty Bangert, wrote a story about your work. Um, the year, I think it was the year that you were, you decided um, kind of late to get involved and you were forcing plants like crazy. She was yes. very impressed that that could be done. So yeah. um, It's tricky. Now, you've had this business on the Cape for 35 years now? Just shy of 35 years, yeah. And first in Sandwich, then in Falmouth. Yes. And uh, tell me a little bit about some of um, of the the work you do for for people uh, around here. Do you also work off Cape as, as well? Yeah, we work uh, pretty much all over. We've, we've done projects in Connecticut. We've done projects in Maine and sort of everywhere in between. And if we can go someplace and, and, and do something fun and, and, you know, imaginative and using good plants and our structure, we, you know, we have lots of machinery to move rock and shape earth and, you know, just enjoying being artistic with it all. Which is, do you, is does anything nice um, stick out in your mind? I know, for example, I was uh, taking a look at, at uh, your Facebook page, uh, the company's Facebook page this morning, and there was a video of a, um, it didn't look to be huge, but a, a waterfall, a small waterfall. It was so relaxing. I almost nodded off, you know, just yeah. the sound, kept hitting the replay button, you know. Um, are there any features that, that uh, any challenges that you faced in the last couple of years that, stick out in your mind as, oh, that was a fun thing to do. Yeah, no, I think we've had a lot of projects that have been like that. We we just recently did the uh, the water treatment plant in Falmouth this year, and, and that was a really fun project, which came in at the very end of the season. And, you know, we had to move a couple of 40-foot oak trees from one place in town to another, and, and we did some other sites. We, you know, uh, sort of late winter uh, of the previous year, after doing the uh, the Hartford Flower Show, we we did this big planting that we had to sort of lift machines into places to be able to dig and and then lift the plants into those places with our with our uh, we have sort of a crane type machine on wheels, so it's you know moving things just difficult logistical projects, mm -hmm. and yeah, so you know we're always doing something like that. That's those are the ones that usually end up in our laps, which is nice. It. Uh do you have a, I guess I couldn't say, do you have a favorite plant because there are so many in your world, but um, at your home, do you have like plantings that you change them out a lot or do you, do you tend to have things that you, um, that you just enjoy having or do you keep it more at work? No, I, at, at home, I, I have a certain amount of plants that I planted a long time ago and I've collected them for various reasons, either shape or leaf color or, you know, and, and, and I have this, this plant here. This is one of my favorites. That's a grass that I uh, actually patented in 2014. Oh, tell me about and that. What, what's it called? It's called Panicum uh, Cape Breeze. And uh, last year we sold, uh, well, throughout nationally, we sold over 100,000 plants, you know, in plugs, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that plant has done great. And, and what uh, were the qualities you were trying to... I don't want to say engineer, but bring out in, in, uh, well, I recognize this plant as being different and, uh, and I, 
I had found a piece and then I had put it in my yard and it ended up moving my, moving around my yard a little bit. And I, I took that and I put it in a pot and I kept it on my uh, driveway for three years throughout the seasons and, and it never died. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, which is number one. And then number two, it was, you know, I, I recognized it as being different because it was more compact. It was very floriferous. And it held its flowers for months, and it didn't get leaf spots. So it was, you know, it, it, it's a native plant, but it acts like a cultivated ornamental. Mm -hmm. Very so hardy. It, it can, yeah, very what, hardy. What kind of uh, flowers do you get on it? Well, they're very uh, uh, see-through inflorescence that oh. comes up above mm -hmm. the above the plant. So, and that you know, it's a great habitat plant. You see, uh, you know, while it's working, you see the you know the butterflies and the bees around it, and it's. That's well, always a, encouraging. It's a good companion, yeah. yeah, for a lot of other things. Plus, you can put it on a sand dune, and it'll it'll uh, it'll prosper. And I would imagine help with uh, to fight erosion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good yeah it does look system. that way. It, it looks like uh, beach grass. You know. Yeah. Well, so it, it, until it flowers, because most most beach grass just has a very narrow upright flower, but this one has a real presence to it. And um, I noticed that uh, we may not get, uh, I should tell people in case they're listening, that it does look, uh, it has the shape of, of beach grass, but the color more of, uh, of uh, you know, cultivated lawn grass. You know, it's very you. green. Yes. Um, and uh, I say these things the way I talk about wine, which is that I really don't know, but I, I count on the experts like yourself, Paul, to uh, let me know if I'm off track on anything. Yeah. Oh, I think you're on track. I, you know, one of the, one of the things that impressed the people at North Creek Nurseries, which are the people that helped me uh, in, in uh, Pennsylvania, um, is the fact that it, it remained green throughout the season and, and most other grasses get a real leaf spot on them. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't get leaf spot on it. So it's it stays just that bright green. And, yeah, it stays and bright green until the fall comes and then some of the leaves go to a reddish color. And uh, so you get the red and green with some yellows as the as the fall rolls on. So it's you know, it's a it's a it's a pretty versatile plant. It goes a lot. It goes well with others. Do most people? But but it also spreads, right? So do most people use containers? Or? Well, it's a clump form, and and uh, it, and it moves very slowly. Ah, I see. Yeah, the trialing process was six years, from the time that I I started working with it to the time that we actually were able to patent it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's beautiful, and uh, I um, I forgot to ask uh, our readers if uh, readers our viewers I'll have to get used to that uh, if they want to ask you any specific questions they should uh, go ahead and type them in and Patty will let us know they're coming I'm reminded of that because Patty is writing <laughs> so we have our first question um, Bob O'Neill wants to know what is it named again the the plant. That yeah, you're just talking about What's uh, the, the, name? the grass is called Panicum, P-A-N-I-C-U-M, Cape Breeze. That's C-A-P-E-B-R-E-E-Z-E. -E -E. Okay. Two words. And uh, I think Mahoney's carries it. I think Country Garden has it nowadays. I, I know there's a, uh, you can buy it in plug form through uh, Emerald Coast or, you know, there's a number of places around the country that'll send it to you. Um, and it's, it's a patented plant, so there's a royalty, which is kind of a nice thing. Uh, and it's a it's a great plant. So 
we should buy that plant, and then it will help to finance your your activities with the, well, uh, 12 the Boston Flower Show. Slow but sure. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to get rich. Slow but, but sure. I've left my mark, which yeah. is kind of fun. You brought up a subject that we had discussed uh, briefly before. And actually, I'm going to go back to subjects, because when we were talking the first time about going to the flower show and people enjoying it, you said that... Um, Part of the focus this year, and they've said, is to look at uh, growing growing edible plants as well as ornamentals and using them together. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit. I believe you, it was a statement that said people need to learn how to garden. It, it can't just be people who are already interested, that it's a, a good thing for um, people to come and visit, and then if they want to get started in gardening. Too. Yeah, well, I... I one of the one of the things about our flower show, and I say our flower show because it's really the only flower show we have nowadays uh, in the you know the New England area. There is one in Maine and Portland, which I think is a little later than ours, but it's a long ways away. But a big piece to this whole thing is educational and trying to to um, to actually enable people to try to understand uh, how to do these things and and generally speaking there's an awful lot of information at that flower show um, i know i i'm there all week long you know in the building and i know there's a there's master gardeners there's people from mass Hort society there's a, a bunch of other nurseries and then there's a you know they have a very good group of uh, uh what i'll call vendors uh that sell plants that that they also know what they're talking about so you know for somebody to come to the show and say, geez, I really would like to learn how to do X, Y, and Z. It's a perfectly good place to go. And, and they're going to see things in context. And, mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah. and uh, we have a question from, uh, I'm reading her last name, but uh, uh, Kimberly Menslage, and she wants to know, do you concentrate on landscape design or do you provide yard maintenance? We are all looking for yard maintenance. So. Well, Miskofsky is... Uh, uh, my group were primarily design build, but if we design it and build it, we generally like to we like to have our hand in sort of the overall maintenance. Even if you know they have somebody, the customer may have somebody to come in and cut their grass. Um, I like to make sure that the pruning mm -hmm. and, and you know managing the ornamentals and and sort of the structural pieces of the garden, mm -hmm. you know, have a bit more oversight than a than somebody with a with a lawnmower. Exactly. I, I can tell you, as I uh, as I said, not a gardener, and, and the one time uh, we decided to do it, we we started way too big and dug up the whole backyard, and and you know didn't didn't pay attention to the fact that we should have started with container gardening or at least raised bed gardening, and uh, and also on the pruning front, um, um, I didn't do this personally, but someone in my house. Uh, uh, managed to to prune the rhododendrons at the wrong time, and we didn't see them for a while. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Yeah. No. It's it's not. Face know what you're doing. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's uh, uh it's something that we've been doing a long time, and and uh, and I'm not throwing stones at the lawnmower guys. It's just that everybody has their expertise, and and uh, um, and I think that uh, the customer is ill served if, if people are out there trying to mm -hmm. do things that they don't understand what they're doing. 
So I noticed that um, that you also, it seems like I'm skipping around because I kind of am because there's so much to learn and trying to take in a lot and share a lot with, uh, with our viewers. Um, I noticed that oh, to my left here is a plant that, that looks, the, the leaves look a little like a, like a house plant, like a pothos, right? Yes. But uh, it has these uh, little, this little fruit on it that, um, um, that I at first thought was lemons. And then I said, no, it doesn't quite seem like the right shape. And you were explaining what this is. Yeah, that's a, a variegated Calamon and orange, which your typical uh, Calamon and orange uh, is green. And, and they crossed this with another citrus, some clever propagator a number of years ago, because this is a really vigorous, you know, it's, it's a non-hardy plant, but it's easy to have in your house. And, and they will produce a fair amount of fruit, which makes an excellent, let's say, a marmalade because it's a tart. It's a tart uh -huh. orange. It's not quite like a kumquat. It uh, has more of a tart flavor, but it, uh, you know, you can use it for actually culinary, uh, you know, concoctions. It's kind of fun. And, and it's a pretty is, plant. Is this like, is this basically um, ready to be used or is it still ripening? Oh, that's pretty close. Yeah. And the, and the fruit will stay on that until it's just to a point where it's actually not even uh, worth using at that point. Mm -hmm. they, they hold their fruit quite a long time. And I think you said you don't have to peel these little guys. You just use them with the skin and all. Yes. Yeah. So. Tiny little seeds. So this uh, would be the kind of thing where if you, um, if you like the flavor, you might uh, um, have this in, it's beautiful. So you might have this in your ornamental uh, design. Yes. And then just be able to reach over and, and uh, grab a couple and, and, you know, slice them open and give a little squeeze. Yeah, or you slice them up in like really small pieces and throw them in a salad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's so versatile. It's, and uh, it's, I like to eat them. I don't mind if they're tart. I kind of like to eat them. You want one now? Or? No, no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> There's so. very few pieces of fruit left on that one. How, I was wondering about that. Uh, how many do you usually get when each time it, it, come, it gives you? How many are usually on this plant? Well, it, uh, for instance, I have a green version of this. It's about three times the size, and there's probably 100, 100 oranges on oh, it. Oh, so it's, it's uh, This one, useful. I think, uh, yeah, this one was out in the garden in another container, and I think you know, through the transplant process and all the other things, I think we lost some fruit just by, uh, uh, there was a little carnage just uh, in the uh, in the move. I'm sure the birds out there won't mind that they'll uh, be after that, right? Yeah, they'll figure it out, yes, by the winter's, by the winter's end, yeah. Now, that, that brings up an interesting question is, um, a lot of your stuff, I would imagine, is, is in, in, um, greenhouses and and is protected but if you were doing a container say on your deck what do you do about the critters how do you how do you keep from losing all the cherry tomatoes to the raccoons well I, yeah raccoons I mean, there's not much you can do about a raccoon is, unless you park your dog out there all the time but uh you know because they're so uh they're so clever they really are yeah but, i had uh, a couple of them roll um, a 25 pound container of cat food down the deck stairs so and into the woods so that they could work on it. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. Point taken. I I think with overall, if you have your, your pots raised up higher or you sit them up on a deck mm -hmm. so that the critters aren't going to actually come up onto the deck and uh, and we uh, are dealing with a different tribe of raccoons. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah <laughs> raccoons are they're tricky. 
they they used to knock when I was stupid when I first you know moved to an area that was surrounded by um, conservation land and I was stupid I would feed the cats outside mm -hmm. and uh, you know now of course with coyotes you're right. feeding the coyotes so the cats don't go outside but if there was not food out there the raccoon would knock on the glass slider oh that's well, right. So you created your problem. Yeah, then. I did, but yeah. I took care of it too. I yeah. just said, no, no, you can knock all night, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you get smarter after a while. But uh, I actually grew up in the city, Paul. So you have a raccoon uh, hat? Do I? No, no, <laughs> no. I do not have a raccoon hat. Okay. All right, a raccoon coat? Nothing, nothing. He right. he went on his own way when he saw that I was no longer going to be free food source. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, um, so. It's uh, one of the things that, that you were mentioning, um, or maybe Patty was mentioning it, was that that in the past you found that your gardens have attracted a particular group of folks uh, at the Boston Flower Show, and uh, you described you know you described them to me, and I'm thinking we might call this group the ladies who lunch. Yeah, well, they all wear red hats, which is really cool. Tell and the they, story from the beginning. Oh boy, this is fun. You know, a, a number of years ago. Uh, I had built a garden in Boston and it was a garden that had quite a bit of living space in it. And, uh, um, and I'm out there sort of taking care of it and a answering questions and whatnot. And I see this group of ladies all very nicely dressed with picnic baskets and they're sitting outside my garden on, on the benches that the flower show provides for people to just, you know, rest a little bit. And I said, you know, why don't you come into the garden because the gardens are sort of our own, you know, each gardener has at, at that point when you've built this thing, it's kind of your domain. Mm -hmm. You know, you have permission to say, you you know, out or or come on in and visit. And it's uh, so I invited the ladies in for lunch and they said, well, why don't you join us? So they, you know, we have wine and they have this beautiful food and cookies and, you know, all kinds of things. It was really fun. And so it makes for great pictures. Oh, my God. And, and they're very nice ladies. And, and they've been doing this coming to the flower show since their grown kids were young kids, mm -hmm. you know, nearly a lifetime. So like the 20 years you've been there. Yeah. And longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've been, uh, they recalled uh, uh, when they were going to the horticultural hall and, and different places to, to see the garden show. So uh, this is a tradition that they've, they've held up. And, and like I said, they're very nice people. And, and they're, now they're like, come on, Paul, let's have some lunch. And, and it's really fun. You know, just an event. You know, the flower show world is uh, is one of those places where you get to see old friends that you only see one time of the year mm -hmm. at one different at one place, and it's it's neat. Oh, we have a few. Let's see. Um, oh, you have a compliment. Uh, J.R. Morrow says that huh. Paul absolutely rocks with his creative designs. Well, Assume that's, that's someone Thank you, you know. Junior. Yeah, that is Junior. <laughs> oh, junior, I thought it was J.R. Okay. Yeah, Junior, junior is is. Uh, I'm a I'm an avid kite surfer. And, oh. uh, junior and I kite surf, and Junior has a a, a very nice uh, uh, maintenance business that we work together on different creations. and And I thought he was in Brazil right now, so maybe he's watching from Brazil. I, he might be. This you know, internet guy. is is worldwide. You know, one of my kiter kite. We start at the same time, but he's a better kiter than me. Oh, and uh, and he's terrific. So. Uh, Thank you, well, that's Junior. because you're you're making a a, a garden uh, when he's practicing. So. I know we get we get about a hundred days a year on the water, which is pretty nice because we really? live yeah we live down in close to West Falmouth, and, oh. which has the best conditions. 
That's impressive. A yeah. good way to relax after you've been designing and working. Keeps you creative. So this is kind of a, a quick single question, but you know, when you create these spaces where people can can live in them, that that and, and entertain in them, and that kind of thing, are there plants you can use that will help to keep things like insects away? Ah, uh, and I kind of threw that at you. So, if well, uh, there are plants that 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 they use as for plant derivatives. Um, I think a lot of that is kind of. Uh, I think a lot of that is kind of more uh, old wives' tales versus sort of real. I, mm. I tend to like to plant things that bugs or rodents or other things don't like to eat. Right. And sort of look at it from a different view, like planting hardy roses versus roses that, you know, you love. let's say you love roses and you want to have this kind of rose, but you can't have this kind of rose because of all the problems that, that those roses have, like some of the David Austins, are really hard to grow here because they're they're not hardy, and, and they have uh, fundamental issues. So I say, look, if you really love David Austin rose, take a picture of it and put it on your wall, <laughs> and grow, you know, some of these other roses that are easier to have that aren't you're not going to pull your hair out or be out there spraying and doing all these things that you don't really want to do or don't have the time to do in your garden. And I would imagine too that 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 holds true not of. A not only insects, but you know, moving up to through the mammals. You know, I I was at war. Geez, I, it seems like I'm at war with the wildlife all the time. But I'm really not. You know, I'm very nice to the wildlife. I leave them alone. Uh, I did have this. Uh, I had some tulips growing, and and this rabbit would mm. bite a bite of each one. Yes. You know, not he wouldn't eat anything. He just you could see the teeth mark. Yeah. It, it was uh, frustrating and. Uh, so, you know, and I know people have deer in the yards as well. So yeah, it, uh, yeah, resistant plants are the way to go. And and you know, if with tulips, if you know you're going to have a problem, you put them in a container. You know, back to the whole. Container I know. Thing. And really, it's so <laughs> okay. I've been you schooled. Could, you could move a container from point A to point B, depending on the, you know, the time of the season. You know, whether it's uh, you know your deck gets more sun at different times of the day or. You know, you just uh, you would take that container inside and, and enjoy it someplace. I have been doing that with the tomato containers, which you say having them in the black pots is especially yes. good. Yeah. Soak up the uh, the warmth. You know, we could talk to you for hours and and weeks because there is so much to learn. But I hope that people will go to the Boston Flower and Garden Show, and uh, you're there, so there's a chance sometimes um, to to chat with you if it's not too busy. Um, and there's, uh, I think you were saying that there are flowers after dark sessions, which are a little bit less than the regular price. I think it's like fifteen dollars. You go in for the evening; it's not as crowded. Yes, so that's a, a way yeah. for people to to uh, get to uh, see your display. And I say yours, understanding there's a team, there are you know dozens of volunteers and, and three days of hectic work. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, can we finish up with, uh, with you gathering up the dogwood trees? I love that story. Oh my God, yeah. Well, it, the dogwoods, uh, we have uh, two, uh, it's a Cornus Florida, which is our native dogwood, and, and these happen to be pink. And forcing them, so that the, the flowers are going to be just so when we get in the building is a little tricky. And, and so they just are at a point right now where I, they're, they're in a, the right place to be able to put into a truck and travel to Boston. And when we take them out, we're still going to have a whole bunch of flowers. And there's thousands of flowers on these trees. And uh, 
So we, they're the furthest into the greenhouse and the bottom of our greenhouse is dug out so that we can have a 15 to 18 foot tree in it and force it standing upright so that, you know, when you're looking at it, all the leaves orient properly as they would in real nature versus forcing it laying down, which you have to spin the root ball and, and, and get it so that they don't uh, teleate or move in one direction or another. So anyhow, they were at, the tree was at, the trees were at a point where we needed to get them out of the greenhouse because we, we had the problem with the birches. So I had to bring in some Japanese maples to try and get the leaves on those. And so we're running it hot. So the, and, and then the furthest in, so we had to move every single plant in the house to get to those dogwoods, tie them up and, and get a, a you know, a full size bobcat in there because the, the root balls were about a thousand, you know, in the thousand pound range. So we had to move them out of that house and into the cold house to slow them down. So looking at them this morning, they're in beautiful shape. We've Flowers are just intact. They're going to come into the building at the right time and then put the greenhouse back together. And, and the, the Japanese maples that I, I got into the house a little over two weeks ago are just put on their first leaf today. You know, that's a, and they're red leaf, they're Twombly's Red Sentinels, which is a really nice, upright, narrow variety of our red leaf Japanese maple. And these are for the Boston Flower yeah, Show. Yeah, these are for the show. So if you get a chance to go and you're at the show, you're going to know a lot more about the trees in that opening uh, entryway garden than anybody else. And you heard it here on Life with Gwen. I want to thank you for joining us, Paul. This is Paul Miskowski of Miskowski Landscaping. And I hope that all of you will join us next week for the next show.